Glory to Jesus Christ, Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their history, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is the story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by the iconography of Father Thomas J. Loya. Father Loya's iconography for your prayer and home devotion may be obtained by going to MorningstarBooksAndGifts.com That's MorningstarBooksAndGifts.com Then click on the Art and Decorative link and click on Icons in the drop-down box or call 630-629-1720 Morningstar Books and Gifts 28 West St. Charles Street, Lombard, Illinois It was with sadness that this morning we learned of the death of Metropolitan Basil Schott. Having succeeded Metropolitan Basil as Bishop of Parma, and in serving with him as a fellow bishop of our Metropolitan Church, I have come to know and respect him. His eminence directed his attention equally well to individuals and institutions. His interest in people was beautifully evidenced again just this week in the realization of his desire to celebrate the year for priests by calling all the priests of our Byzantine Catholic Metropolitan Church from throughout the country to a fraternal gathering in Pittsburgh. In various types of gatherings, from the faithful in parishes to meetings of bishops, he could be found mingling with those present and allowing his welcoming smile to spread throughout. Their response was always sincere, appreciative, and supportive. Over the past months of his illness, I received many inquiries, sentiments of concern, and assurances of prayer from those who knew him. His service to the eparchy, to the Metropolitan Church, to the Eastern Catholic Churches, both in this country and in Europe, and to the Universal Church, will long be remembered. His affable personality allowed him to contribute in a role of leadership to methodically change that which needed to change to correspond to a changing world. May God grant to his servant, Metropolitan Basil, blessed repose and eternal memory. All of us here at Light of the East share in the words you just heard from Bishop John Kudrick of the Akbarki of Parma in his commemoration of Metropolitan Archbishop Basil Schott, who recently passed on into eternal life. 
Archbishop Basil Schott, was the highest-ranking prelate in my particular church, the Byzantine Ruthenian Church in America. In fact, we're often called the Metropolia of Pittsburgh because he was seated in Pittsburgh, and so that became the Archeparchy of Pittsburgh, and he was a Metropolitan. A Metropolitan is a certain rank that we use in the Eastern churches, as it were, for bishops, meaning that he was the head of a church over an entire nation, really, an entire region. In the Eastern churches, our dioceses are called eparchies, usually because they cover large territories. So in the Ruthenian Byzantine Catholic Church in America, the Metropolia of Pittsburgh, which is another name for it, we have four eparchies, or more commonly understood as dioceses. My diocese, my eparchy, is the eparchy of Parma, where Bishop John Kudrick is the bishop, whom you just heard from. But Metropolitan Archbishop Basil Schott was our archbishop, our metropolitan of our whole church here in America. I knew Metropolitan Basil back when he was Father Basil. I knew him when I was a teenager. He was the priest at our parish. At that time, I was at the cathedral parish in Parma, Ohio, and I was in the youth group. And Father Basil was one of those younger, hip, popular priests that used to work with the teenagers. In fact, I remember back then, I'm really dating myself, back then there was this huge controversy that this young, hip Father Basil was asked to come in on, and that controversy was a new play that was out in the theaters. It was called Jesus Christ Superstar. It's one of my fondest memories of Bishop, or that time, Father Basil Schott. And he had to oversee and lead this very heated, emotional meeting between the concerned parents and, of course, those of us who were teenagers who wanted to see this new play <laughs> about Jesus Christ. We thought, how could we go wrong, Mom and Dad? It's about Jesus Christ. But they had heard about its format. It was a so-called rock opera, which was brand new in this scene at that time. And I remember Father Basil Schott leading the discussion very carefully with his savoir-faire, and his charm, his sense of humor, his attention to detail, his, as you heard Bishop John say, his very methodical way of moving, very compassionate and gentle, did a fine job. And we ended up seeing the program anyway. We went to the youth group and we did see Jesus Christ Superstar. That was back in the 70s. <laughs> One of my earliest memories of then Father Basil Schott. Later on, Father Basil Schott became, as you heard from Bishop John, he did become my own bishop, the Bishop of Parma, the Eparchy of Parma. And one of my greatest memories there, of course, was that he was the bishop that came and consecrated and dedicated uh, our new church here, our Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, which was dedicated on March 14th, which is also the anniversary of my parents' marriage, on March 14th, 2000. He came and he anointed our church with the Holy Chrism in a, in a very elaborate ceremony, liturgy, and we had a fantastic celebration afterwards, and it was just a very memorable event, and he was the bishop that did that. Metropolitan Archbishop Basil then went on to become the Archbishop of the entire Ruthenian Byzantine Catholic Church in America, which made him, as I mentioned, the ranking prelate of our church. Our Byzantine Catholic Church, of course, is in communion, full communion with the Pope of Rome. The Pope is ultimately, of course, our superior, as he is for the whole Catholic Church, East and West. But in the immediate sense, Metropolitan Basil was our highest ranking bishop. And Metropolitan Basil was also a man of great humor, of great kindness, uh, great sensitivity, great gentleness. He was truly a very, very compassionate spiritual leader. And he will be missed. Archbishop Basil had not quite reached his 71st birthday when he passed on. 
And one of the things that his heart was set on was gathering all the clergy together in the entire metropolia, gathering us together in Pittsburgh at the cathedral. And he planned this for quite some time because he wanted it to be the way that we, our church, would conclude this year of the priest. And he called all of the priests together, and in fact, we did come. The majority of all the Ruthenian Byzantine Catholic priests in America were in fact in attendance in Pittsburgh. The one person who was missing, though, was Archbishop Basil himself because he lay gravely ill in the hospital at this time. In fact, the story was that he actually had to be, in a sense, kindly restrained, as it were, to stay in his sick bed, because when he heard the priests were there, he was so anxious to be with us, because this was his heart's desire. Well, we had a wonderful celebration together, all the priests coming together, which we've never really done before, so it was really wonderful in that regard. Then we all went home, and once I arrived home, I heard the news that the archbishop had passed on that night. So as though he stayed on on this earth for his heart's desire to happen, to gather together all the clergy of the church of which he was the head. And after that happened, he then passed on. Although he could not be there physically, he certainly was with us in some mystical way, I'm sure, while he lay dying in his hospital bed. And after he had accomplished that goal, his heart's desire, then the Lord took him. He will be missed, and it kind of puts our church now is oftentimes it happens in these cases, especially in the Eastern churches, it puts us in a kind of a sort of suspended state, as it were, a state of uncertainty. It's a state also of hope. It's a time for prayer. It's time to try to carry on. There's a sense of many things kind of being up in the air, things maybe not going to be completed, or should they be completed? Do we proceed ahead with this or that? What's going to happen? A lot of speculation, a lot of wondering, a lot of worrying, some anxiety, in general, a bit of a, as they say today, a bit of a funk. I have to admit, I've been in a kind of a bit of a funk since he passed on. A funk in a sense, not only about losing a beautiful person in our eparchy, a beautiful person in our toll church, but also the uncertainty. Our church thrown once again into a kind of a state of uncertainty and of waiting. And I guess the only antidote for this really is patience and prayer and hope. And to tend to the things that we have to tend to, to go about the business and the tasks that are before us. As I mentioned, he will be greatly missed. And I appreciate very much the beautiful words of my own bishop, Bishop John Kudrick, in memory of Archbishop Basil. For those of you who are not necessarily that familiar with the Eastern Catholic Churches, I'm glad, first of all, you're listening to our program, because we hope to make you more and more familiar. But in our churches... Our eparchies, as I mentioned, which you might be more familiar with the word diocese, are usually very, very large territories. And that's why we have only four dioceses or eparchies for the Ruthenian Byzantine Catholic Church in America. But these cover large territories, and that's pretty characteristic of most Eastern Catholic dioceses or eparchies. It's also the case in the Orthodox churches as well. The Eastern churches tend to be smaller, but they tend to be very spread out. So they have to have large territories or large dioceses or eparchies. In fact, there are some Eastern Catholic churches wherein the whole United States of America is their only and entire eparchy or diocese. In light of the passing of our Metropolitan Archbishop Basil Schott, many of you may also not be familiar with what it is like to bury a cleric, a clergyman, a priest, a bishop in the Byzantine Catholic Church. We're going to talk about that when we return. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion. And to tell the story of the Eastern Lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support in order to keep Light of the East on the air. You can make a donation now by going to ByzantineCatholic.com. 
That's ByzantineCatholic.com. Click on the radio button and then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. Would you like to hear this Light of the East program again? Welcome to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loya. Or hear Father Loya's companion program, A Body of Truth. Just visit the radio page at ByzantineCatholic.com. That's ByzantineCatholic.com. Or hear it again. Hear it again. Hear it again. Hear it again. For the first time. Did you know that God constructed women's arms differently than men's? I am Father Thomas Loya with the Theology of the Body moment for the Tabor Life Institute. The axis of a woman's outstretched arms angles inward at the elbow, whereas in men the axis is straighter. This enables women to bring things to themselves easier than men. Everything about a woman's body, her mind, heart, and soul, is designed for connectedness and to bring the world close to her heart. The language of her body says that God is close, tender, and loving. But she also has what John Paul II called a genius. It is her gift of receptivity, stamped in the very design of her body. The Pope said that this makes woman the archetype of the human race because God designed the human race simply to receive his love. To find out more about the theology of the body, visit TaborLife.org. TaborLife.org. You're listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. The Daughters of St. Paul sponsor a monthly study group on the theology of the body. The discussions are led by Father Thomas Loya. Glory to Jesus Christ. Every second Saturday during the month at Pauline Books and Media, 172 North Michigan Avenue in Chicago, from 1030 until 12 noon Central Time. Simultaneously and interactively video streamed live online. As you know, we are concerned about the sacramental liturgical worldview as delivered by John Paul II's Theology of the Body. For more information, go to daughtersofstpaul.com or call 312-346-4228. Welcome back to Light of the East on this rather bittersweet day because we observe the passing into eternal life of the ranking prelate of our church, my particular church, Archbishop Basil Schott, who passed away recently. He was the Metropolitan Archbishop of the entire Athenian Byzantine Catholic Church in America. Some of you may not be familiar with what it's like to bury a priest or a bishop, a cleric. And in the Byzantine Church, this actually takes three days or basically two evenings and a morning, what's happening is the ancient practice of the burial service, the funeral service for the Christian burial, to bury any Christian, but in particular a cleric, was actually done kind of in continuous through one or two days. But nowadays we sort of break it up. And what it's involved is this. There's a service called a parastas service. Now that word means all standing service. It refers to the practice of standing while praying, which is common in the Eastern churches. Along with that is also called a panakita service, which means all-night service. See, the service is used to go continuously through the night and end in the morning with the divine liturgy and, of course, the burial. But nowadays, we tend to break that out and stretch it out a bit. So there's actually two evenings of services, what we might call wake services, in the burial of a bishop or priest in the Byzantine Catholic Church. The first night, the first parastas, 
is composed of verses that are phrases or paraphrases from the scripture that are kind of a meditation on death and redemption of judgment and the resurrection. And along with that are the reading of seven gospels and seven epistles. Most of the gospels come from the gospel of St. John, but not all of them. Most of them do. And the reading from St. Paul's letters to the first and second Corinthians and also to the letter to the Romans. But along with, as I mentioned, there are special verses that kind of are meditations on really on life and death. And here's an example of some of them. This is what we chant and sing during this first night of the Parastas. In the beginning, you called me from nothingness and favored me with your divine image. Since I transgressed your commandments, you returned me to the earth from which I was taken. Restore me to your likeness, that my original beauty may be renewed in me. Now, these beautiful poetic words that are chanted with a very solemn chant are also very profound in their theological implication, as is all of the services, the liturgical worship in the Eastern churches. It's kind of an expose of the profundity of our theology and of our belief, of dogma and doctrine. And this short verse that I just read to you, which is chanted the first night of the funeral for a priest, talks about really what life's all about our beginning, our creation. In the beginning, you call me from nothingness and fade me with your divine image. We are made in the image and likeness of God. And we ask that the person is going to be renewed or restored to that original beauty. In fact, that's the eschatological hope that we have as Christians, that we will all be once again restored to that original beauty, which was disfigured from sin. In fact, will be made even more beautiful in the eschaton, you know, in the, in the life to come forever, where our body and soul is reunited together in a form of glory that we cannot even conceive of. Here's another verse. O saints, you preached the Lamb of God, and like lambs were slain. You were transferred to an ending and everlasting life. O martyrs, pray fervently that he grant us the remission of our transgressions. So we sort of align ourselves with those who have passed on, especially the saints, and we elicit their prayers for the deceased and also for ourselves. Then later on in this first service are the Beatitudes, when we sing, Remember us, O Lord, when you come into your kingdom. And this is a verse that we repeat after the lines from the Beatitudes, such as, Blessed are the poor in spirit, the kingdom of God is theirs. Blessed are the sorrowing, they shall be consoled. And blessed are the lowly, they shall inherit the land. Then we have what's called the Troparion, which says this, With the souls of the just brought to perfection, give rest, O Savior, to the soul of your servant keeping in for the blessed life with you, for you love mankind. In the place of rest, which is yours, O Lord, where all your saints repose, give rest to the soul of your servant, for you alone love mankind. The funeral service has actually kind of like almost a three-way dialogue. In fact, what we often hear is, the faithful pray and intercede for the merciful judgment for the deceased. In other prayers, it is the deceased admitting to the weaknesses of sin during life and now beseeching forgiveness and acceptance into everlasting life. And in other prayers, we hear the voice of Christ as a merciful judge. On the second evening, one of the most striking features of the Parastas service for the burial of a priest or bishop is where we hear the chanting and the verses as though it were the deceased speaking to us. I'm going to have Katie Galus, who's here with us, read some of these prayers. In thought I implore you to listen to me, for with difficulty do I speak these things. For your sakes I have lamented, Perhaps it may profit one of you. But when you shall sing these things, make mention now and then of me whom you once knew. Often we walked together in the house of God and have sung Alleluia. Rise now, all of you, and prepare. And when you are ready, listen to the word. 
awesome, my brothers, is the judgment seat before which we all must appear. There is no distinction there. There is neither small nor great, but each of us must stand there. It is good, therefore, to sing together the hymn, Alleluia. Let us all be consumed with tears when we behold these earthly remains as we draw near to bid farewell. Behold, you have abandoned us who you love. You speak no more with us, O friend. Why do you not speak with us as you did before? Now you keep silence when before you sang with us, Alleluia. Accompany the dead, O friends, and approach the grave with care. Look intently and with understanding, and brace yourself for what you will see there. All youthful appearance has vanished. The bloom of life has faded away. There will you see dust and ashes. All is silence, and there no man says, Alleluia. We proceed on the path to eternity, and as one condemned and with downcast eyes, we present ourselves before the only eternal God. Where then is our beauty? Where then is our wealth? Where then is the glory of this world? There before God, none of these things shall help us, but only to sing the hymn, Alleluia. I will remember you, my brothers, and my children and friends. Remember me when you pray to the Lord. I entreat you, I beseech and implore you, that you learn by heart this thing I ask, and mourn for me night and day. As Job said to his friends, I also say to you, again and again sing, Alleluia. O all holy virgin, who brought forth the ineffable light, I make this unceasing petition, beseeching and entreating you. Perpetually implore the Lord in behalf of your servant who has fallen asleep, O most pure one, that he may find Also a part of this second day of the funeral service, the second evening of the parastas for a priest or bishop, we sing the famous hymns of St. John Damascene, which again are a meditation on death and life, the whole mystery of it, kind of takes us through the entire human spectrum of emotion and of contemplation of this whole unfathomable concept of losing a beloved one to this awful, ugly thing that was ever meant to be, this thing we know as death in this life but at the same time contrasting that with the hope of resurrection in the next life. St. John Damascene wrote these for actually for a friend of his, for his friend's funeral. What earthly delight endures unmingled with grief? What earthly glory remains immutable? All things are less than a shadow, more deluding than a dream. In a single moment all these are effaced by death. But in the light of your countenance, O Christ, and in the enjoyment of your beauty, grant rest to the one whom you have chosen for you love mankind. As a flower withers and a shadow passes, so every man will die. But when the trumpet sounds, the dead will rise again as in an earthquake to meet you, O Christ our God. Then, O Master, place in the boat of your saints the soul of your servant whom you have taken from us. Where is the attachment of the world? Where is the allurement of all that is temporal? Where is silver and gold? Where is the multitude of servants and anxieties? All dust, all is ashes, all is shadow. Come, let us cry out to the immortal King. O Lord, deem worthy of your eternal blessings, the one who has departed from us, granting him rest in your ageless bliss. Toward the end of the funeral liturgy on the next day, the bishop, as he lies in state in the coffin, vested in his vestments, and in fact that's one of the responsibilities of a priest, the fellow priests will vest a priest or bishop who has passed on, 
actually come together and put on the articles of his vestments that he uses at liturgy. And with each item, there is a verse from the scripture that is said as a prayer. And as the vested bishop lays there, the celebrating bishop then comes and pours oil over his face, over the face of the corpse, and then puts a veil over top of the face, covers the face with that veil. It's the very veil that is used at the altar during the liturgy. And the prayer that he says, the bishop says, while he covers the face of the deceased is this. May the Lord and God, Jesus Christ, who strengthened you in the good fight of Christian life, now graciously receive these prayers. And with the, all of his mercy, may he forgive you all transgressions committed because of human frailty and make you worthy to receive the promised reward with the saints who sing his praises saying, Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. May God grant to the soul of his departed servant, Metropolitan Archbishop Basil, eternal rest and a blessed repose, and may his memory be eternal. Thank you for listening. I'm Father Thomas Loya here with Katie Gullis on Light of the East. Would you like to hear this Light of the East program again? Welcome to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loya. Or hear Father Loya's companion program, A Body of Truth. Just visit the radio page at byzantinecatholic.com. That's byzantinecatholic.com. Or hear it again. Hear it again. Hear it again. Hear it again. For the first time. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the Light of the East. To find out more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue this program with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount would be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East 14610 Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois 60491. That's Light of the East 14610 Will Cook Road, spelled W I L L C O O K Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God bless you and grant you many happy years. <laughs>